0: You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. And now, the owner and host of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, Adam Fonseca. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, episode 194. I am your host, as always, Adam from golfunfiltered.com. Follow me on social media at Golf Unfiltered. Send me an email, golfunfiltered at gmail.com. Folks, before we get into today's episode, shout-outs like we like to do to our friends who make this podcast possible. First and foremost, thehackersparadise.com. Hello to all of you listening to this on the THP mobile app. Hello to our friends over at Cleveland and Srixon Golf. Folks, Srixon has been one of my favorite club lines for a very long time, and the Cleveland Wedges, best in the game in my opinion. And, of course, the new Srixan Z-Series Golf Clubs and Balls Built for Distance. That's the hashtag you want to follow. And, last but not least, BudgetGolf.com as well. Go out. they got a hat liquidation sale going on right now. I just saw it come through. Go out and buy yourself some new hats. I know you've got tons. I know you could probably fit a few more in your closet or something. I don't know. Go out to iTunes, rate our podcast five stars, or any star, whatever. Whatever you want to do. If you like what we do, leave a rating. Leave some feedback. We love to hear that feedback because it helps improve this podcast and it lets us know what we're doing well. Folks, we got a fun episode this week. I have invited my friend Trey from the com. They're a great golf uh, blog and a Twitter follow at OutsideTheCut uh, on Twitter uh, to talk a little bit about a trending topic, pun intended, I guess, uh, golf Twitter, and most importantly, Twitter Outrage. (laughs) So yes, this is an episode, uh, Outrage about Twitter Outrage. Now personally, I find it to be a little annoying. I I think Golf Twitter, which is, we go into what that means, how, how we both define it in our conversation today, but I feel they think they've got more influence than they really do, but I could be wrong, and Trey and I go back and forth a little bit about maybe why that is. And so this is a really fun conversation. It's a little bit of a of a step back from the typical topics that we like to talk about here on the podcast. We're not talking about equipment today. We will definitely get back into that whole swing of things here very shortly. Uh, but if you hear anything in today's conversation that you disagree with, or even if you agree with it, feel free to hit either of us up, Trey or myself, on social, or of course you can hit me up on email as well uh, via the email address I mentioned earlier. So, without further ado, sit back, relax, get ready for a nice conversation about outrage, Twitter outrage, with our friend Trey from OutsideTheCut.com. Hi, this is Bill Hobson from the 4Golfers Network podcast, and as you and I enjoy this episode of Golf Unfiltered with my friend Adam, I'm reminded of an indisputable reality. We, as golfers, are nuts. We chase a small ball around the planet, spending thousands of dollars in the effort to get that ball into a tiny hole. We then yell at the ball and curse it when it doesn't listen, even though it can't listen, it's a ball. This insanity is all part of the magic of the game, and it's what we celebrate on the Four Golfers Network podcast every Monday when a fresh episode comes your way on Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeart, you know, all the places. So after you finish listening to Adam today, I'd love to have you check out the Four Golfers Network podcast, that's F-O-R-E, where we celebrate the game with top-name guests and an exploration of the things about golf that both drive us crazy and bring us back for more.
1: I stink! The ball is just sitting there, and I can't
0: hit it! Welcome back, folks. As I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm excited to welcome another golf blogger. Like myself, we don't do these too often anymore, but it's always fun to bring them on because I feel they're the best conversations. Welcoming Trey from OutsideTheCut.com here. Trey, thanks so much for taking some time on a Friday evening to talk to me. <laughs>
1: the content never sleeps adam thanks for having me glad to be here
0: (laughs) you and i talk a lot on twitter um in the golf twitter space which is really the topic of today's show and we're going to get to that here in a second uh folks you can follow trey at outside the cut on twitter and trey you know it's it's funny because i know why i got into to blogging golf writing doing this podcast but what what sparked your interest in to get into the whole blogging game.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a long story. I won't go, I won't go down the entire history of it, but I started outside the cut a little more than a year ago. And, you know, the reason I started it was I I was inspired by yourself and a lot of the others that are creating this sort of alternative golf media content out there. And, um, I was, consuming a lot of it and i thought to myself you know i have a voice there's stuff i want to say Um, let me just create my own platform to do that and the name sort of derived from outside the cut meaning the type of content i want to provide or i'm interested in writing about or talking about might be outside the cut of what you would find on traditional golf media whether that be golf digest golf channel you know cbs broadcast what have you um, so that's where the name comes from, and, and that's what I've tried to stick to in terms of what I write or what I tweet about, just stuff that other people either won't say, they're not allowed to say, mm-hmm. um, and, and so I've had fun with it. It's been a great year. Um, I've gotten to know a lot of really cool people like yourself, and uh, just love talking about golf, so I'm
0: glad to be on. Well, I think the jury's still out on whether or not I'm a cool person, but I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, yeah, we try to do a lot of the same here at Golf Unfiltered, and it's really great to have those those open conversations about stuff that we see not only on TV, that we see at tournaments, or when we go and visit the golf courses that we love to play. But what really we've all kind of just fallen into is this this bucket of what we lovingly call golf twitter and that's really as i mentioned the topic for today so you know let's start with the term itself you know golf twitter what does that mean to you
1: yeah i mean i think golf twitter is is at, at the core what i think people forget at least is it's a lot of people who love talking about the game love talking about golf certainly a lot of disagreements can occur and people can go back and forth in and, and those conversations where people are at odds about a particular topic can mm-hmm. certainly get tiresome. Um, the, the one thing that I find the most true about, you know, what I consider golf Twitter or the golf Twitter world is that it tends to be a little bit of an echo chamber or a bubble. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the thoughts that you see, you know, just bounce back and forth and back and forth and, um, it becomes groupthink at some point. Um, and it, in some cases, it can become one side versus the other, and can almost feel a little political at times. Right. If you think about things like the ball debate or uh, different hot topics in the game, it's, it's definitely a platform for open thoughts and uh, conversation. Sometimes they can get a little carried away, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, before we get into some examples of where they might have gotten away from what maybe would have been a nice civil conversation at times, um, we uh, we talk a lot about, you know, just the, the the evolution, maybe, of of what Golf Twitter became. And I think you, you described it pretty well, uh, and I think a lot of people listening to this would agree that, you know, it's certainly something that has changed over time and as I remember it, I don't know when you joined Twitter, but when I did, it's been a few years now, I actually don't even remember when I did. Um, It it started with, okay, well, there's a few folks on this social media platform that are all talking about this topic that both you and I love. And then it kind of jumped to, oh, okay, I'm going to watch this tournament on the weekend, and these folks are also watching it, and we're both talking about it, and we're tweeting about it, and so we found a commonality. From Mm -hmm. there, it almost seemed like everyone was okay with it, and everyone saw that it was safe and it was fun to the degree that now brands started getting involved. And we're talking about not only equipment brands, but even the players themselves who are a brand unto themselves. And then it kind of got to a different level where we are today, in my opinion, where it's almost influential on real life, it actually has an impact. It, it was that kind of your experience of the progression of of this this monster, so to speak.
1: Yeah, I think you know I slowly started my outside the cut Twitter account's been around a little more than a year now, and previously I followed on my own personal account a number of different golf uh, content you know, sites or pages and just sort of read them. I never really interacted much. And then once I started interacting, you you find this whole sort of underworld that exists, which, you know, can be positive. It can, you know, in many cases, be a little bit of a negative experience depending on who you're <laughs> interacting with. And so there are a lot of different shades to it. I mean, I love, I love Twitter. I, I might even say I'm, Somewhat obsessed with it, same. And to 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 an unhealthy degree, like I I won't publicly disclose my uh, Apple Screen Time on the app. I'm sure it would (laughs) would be shameful. You know, you get that (laughs) weekly report, right? And it's like, oh dear God, I spent X number of hours, you know, scrolling this app. And
0: yeah, Yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm right there with you. By the way,
1: it it's it's a double edged sword in in some ways. I've gotten to know a lot of uh, really great people online and then met them in life. And I've developed very real relationships and friendships off of the internet. And, you know, I've had other exchanges where uh, there's certainly individuals who I may not uh, agree with or you know, want to socialize with or associate myself with uh, personally. So, you know, not, there's nothing out there stopping people from, Saying whatever they want, or creating accounts online and, and sort of barraging various individuals with their uh, takes, and so mm-hmm. it's you know there's, like everything in life, there are pros and cons to it.
0: Yeah, definitely there are. I mean, and you know, it's 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 interesting too because as golf Twitter is today, as we know it. And I agree that, you know, there's there's a great opportunity to connect with people that you normally wouldn't speak to, um, you know, uh, before we got going here, we actually were talking a little bit about our shared experience, um, just getting to network with folks, you know, in different areas, you know, and, and just getting to know people. But well, as of late, at least on the PGA Tour, and maybe even a little bit on the LPGA Tour with the, the whole backstopping thing, which we'll get to... Uh, it seems, though, that there's been a lot more negativity and, quote-unquote, internet outrage when when it comes to certain topics that we're all seeing. Now, not without good reason, of course. You know, the most notably uh, being the whole Matt Kuchar debacle that, you know, listeners to this podcast know that we touched on very briefly a few episodes ago. But the whole thing where Matt Kuchar, you know, tipping or not tipping his caddy or not paying appropriately... You know, that turned into just a PR nightmare for a, a a player that prior to that, for the most part, was really positively received, wouldn't you say? Yeah,
1: I mean, Kuchar, without question, was at least one of the most yeah. beloved golfers of the last 15 years, I would say. I mean, he has that sort of all oh, shocks personality mm. going and there's a lot of people who think that's a facade and, and maybe it is, maybe it is. And I don't know the guy, um, but that certainly didn't turn out well for him. And what's interesting about that entire thing, and I don't know what happened behind closed doors with Matt and his whole team was Matt's not active on Twitter or, or mm. really any social media that I know of. And so this storm was brewing. It started with just a simple tweet from I think Tom Gillis. Yeah, and it it grew from there. You know, it, it wasn't uh it didn't come from Golf. Com, Golf World, you know, whoever. It just was a random tweet, and I think that exhibits you know, the power of Twitter as a platform, and, and also of golf Twitter. It's that just a single tweet. Wasn't breaking news, and all of a sudden it started building and growing and growing, and he Matt, I think is or was oblivious to this entire world that exists, mm-hmm. and and it kind of came up and got him too late. Like I think if if let's say this happened to one of the younger guys who's more active on Twitter or any social media they would understand they needed to nip it in the bud right. before it got to the point where it's on cnn or, or whatever and uh just i think that was one of the funniest parts about it is i he just i don't think he had any concept of what was going on maybe he didn't care uh, his quotes when asked about it sort of might tip you off that he he's just totally disconnected from reality so i'm not sure but it was interesting that he's not really on social and in social is what came back to get him.
0: Yeah. That, that, that is an actually very interesting dynamic you outlined because I was actually talking to my wife about it and a few other friends recently about the whole situation and, and the opinion about whether or not there was something right or wrong with what happened uh, was, was very mixed actually, you know, so there was always everything from, well, it's no one's business. What, was going on between a caddy and a player versus well are you kidding like this was public knowledge they're a public figure we should know these things and then there of course there were opinions in the middle there but i really like where you went with that uh insofar as there was this separate entity this storm brewing that he probably was completely oblivious to and that just drives the follow-up question of okay well if it's brewing and you're not paying attention to it how big a deal is it? And maybe this is a bad example of it, but clearly it didn't bother Kuchar until probably his agent came up to him and said, "Hey, man, we we got some damage control to go uh, to, to deal with right now."
1: <laughs> yeah, and not a great guy to be doing your damage control. Right? Steinberg, <laughs> fair enough. Is <laughs> he's uh, he's not got a great track record if you look back with his time with tiger of managing these situations uh, most effectively and so yeah i don't i don't know they were uh definitely seemed to be under the covers there and then all of a sudden you know the house is burning down and uh they had to come back and and fix it so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see what the long-term implications of that situation are but interesting if you look at tom's tweet immediately following his initial tweet people start tagging social influencers right uh, about it you know whether that's brendan porath or guys from no laying up or people from golf digest or you name it yep and then it just builds from there and gets bigger and bigger and then all of a sudden it's a five alarm fire and it's everywhere i mean the new york post carrying the story and they're not typically
0: covering these sorts of (laughs)
1: minuscule you know golf
0: debacles. it's it yeah it that that almost might be an entire podcast episode that's on its own as well it, you know because what what's interesting was had this not panned out the way it did and I will admit I originally thought well this can't be true you know I I, I was like let's give them the benefit of the doubt maybe there's a good reason behind you know so on and so on and so on and had it not been true the fact that uh the caddy didn't get what he quote unquote deserved there was a big risk there that that the originator of the story in this case gillis took because it could have yeah, came yeah. right back on him and all of the tagging that you just mentioned of all the influential accounts you know that was going on its own kind of like a forest fire where it's like okay well we haven't actually verified anything yet i mean do you think that that's a I mean, that's a huge risk, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah. Yeah, but I think he definitely had it under good authority. Or he wouldn't have come out and said it. And the way he phrased it, and I don't have the exact terms, was sure it appeared that this was a rumor or known fact that had been floating around the inner circles of the tour uh, yeah, or people in the know. Mm. The, he wasn't the only one that knew about this, but he was the first one who had the stones to step up and mention it. So right. I I credit him for that. I mean, I don't know that he ever provided any evidence, but he, he came to be uh, validated in in his story. And it just unraveled from there.
0: So you and I both agree that, Twitter certainly had influence on how that whole situation panned out. Another situation... Uh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's hard to say that it didn't. The next situation, though, that came up, I think, the very next week, actually, was the whole concept of J.B. Holmes and his pace of play. And from what I mm-hmm. noticed was fans immediately jumping on that to the degree where okay we're all seeing it on television we're all getting updates on twitter about how many holes behind uh you know that group was it almost at least in my perspective and i'd like to hear yours trey it almost seemed like wow okay well golf twitter had influence on the big story last week can we get this guy penalized this week was that sort of your perception too
1: it was definitely a hot topic on Twitter, but I think in a lot of ways, in terms of looking at whether or not there's influence there, it's a little bit of a false flag because the broadcast coverage themselves mentioned it. Hmm. And I don't know that they are following the Twitter conversations in real time. Um, I think it was so blatant and egregious that it was, it was hard to not, Notice, like I even got a text from my dad saying, "You know who's this guy? Like this is unwatchable. He's just <laughs> taking forever. He's plumb bobbing." And, you know, he's certainly not on the level of hardcore golf fans, but he's absolutely within the audience that you know the PGA Tour is trying to attract from a broadcast perspective. And so, if it's that obvious to him, um, I I don't know that that necessarily is an issue that Twitter is going to take credit for calling out. Um, It's certainly going to be a topic for people to riff off of.
0: Do you think that the USGA in any way pays attention to this type of PR?
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, if anyone should be paying attention to it, it's the tour because
0: because
1: of all the money they have tied up. I, was, I forget who I was, I, I was listening to. I think uh, the Friday with Jeff Ogilvy mm-hmm. earlier this week. And Jeff, you know, who's had a great career on the tour, you know, equally is upset about what he saw with JV and proposed a number of solutions. And, and his point was nothing is going to change unless the players force that change. And so the tour is not going to change because. They have all these ad dollars, um, that they're raking in all the sponsor money. The only way that this is going to change and it's not going to come from the commissioners and it's not going to come from the USGA, is if the players themselves are putting peer pressure on their other players to make the change. And he, he made a example, I think, out of the Japanese tour where you know, they, they abide by a little bit of different, uh, social courtesy standards and they will actually start running down the golf course if um, they feel like they're behind because they want to be courteous to their other players. And, you know, thus far we've not seen others sort of speaking out against players like JB. In fact, Justin Thomas tweeted out almost in support of JB, Mm -hmm. um, which I thought was ridiculous. So I I don't I don't think we're going to see change in the tour. They're, right now they're finding players, I think, for slow play. These guys make a lot of money. They don't care about the fines if it means they're going to drop a shot or two. Um, there are a lot of things that can be done, but I don't see it changing in the near future.
0: I, I actually don't either. I mean, there's just so much... So many variables that go into play in the whole thing, but something you said that that is uh, interesting to me is the the concept of another player tweeting about the topic, and uh, you had mentioned that you saw it saw it to be a little bit ridiculous. So why did you feel that way? It almost felt like it was kind of a shell. Like
1: JT, I think he'd been playing with JB for multiple rounds. Right. Uh, it's pretty clear that. J.B.'s pace of play was abhorrent, to say the least. And Justin is very active on social media, including Twitter, mm-hmm. and he certainly knew about the heat that J.B. was taking. And I think he wanted to you – know, maybe there was this sort of camaraderie between the players. He was basically standing up for J.B., and he didn't directly address uh you know, his specific pace of play, but he definitely was defending him. If, if you read what Justin wrote and I don't know, I, I don't think it's good for the tour as a product that they're trying to, uh, you know, attract a new audience or even keep an existing audience. And I don't think it's good that one of their biggest stars is stepping out and supporting what is ultimately, I think a detriment to the brand and the product.
0: And, you know, that, that's a fair point. And we see stuff like that happen more and more often, I, I guess, in my mind, when we see these uh, potential rule violations, for example, and certainly, you know, pace of play being a very hot topic, as you put it. Another one is a concept that we don't see all that often, but it certainly sparked the interest of, you know, ever present golf Twitter, and that is backstopping. And we've seen a few different examples of that over the uh the years, and most recently, of course, on the LPGA, when uh you know Arya and Amy Olson had a situation where it was caught on video, it happened, the two players actually fist bumped <laughs> at one point, and it got so bad that being the outrage on on social that Amy Olson actually went ahead and wrote what has become the new apology in our society, where you go on your iPhone and you go into notes and you write this big long mm-hmm. statement it got so bad that she felt she had to do that, and she actually explained about sort of the harassment she was feeling or getting from from twitter i mean, you know where have we where have we gone wrong, or have we gone wrong in your mind, where we actually influence somebody's well being to where they have to feel like they have to go and actually address it on the very platform that has caused their stress.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a symptom of the times, right? Like, you know, you can call it golf Twitter. You can look at NBA Twitter. You can look at politics Twitter for sure. Forget about even Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, anything. I mean, I think, unfortunately, that the new cultural phenomenon where individuals feel empowered behind uh, this mask that they have with their social accounts and um, don't really understand that they're individuals, you know, that they're talking to. And and a lot of these people just don't really grasp or wouldn't, wouldn't say what they're saying in person, and, and so I think that's a good rule of thumb in terms of your social media. It's like if you're not going to say this in person, just whoever you're addressing, whatever topic you're saying,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you probably shouldn't be saying it.
0: Yeah, that that's probably true, and and you know, listeners know I should probably live by that as well from some of the activity I've done on social, and I'm sure others can say <laughs> that too. But uh, you know, it's just it's it's so uh, much to talk about in regard to the impact that social may or may not have on real life events. You know, and as we talked about in this episode here, Trey, I mean, you know, we saw, we agree, the Kucher thing that had some influence. And then we, maybe not so much with the J.B. Holmes slow play thing. We're not going to get this guy penalized. Uh, You know, backstopping, the, the jury's still out on that. But there have been other instances, for example, outside of social media where the viewing public has had some influence. And I'm thinking of course, of any of the viewer call-ins, for example, where, Oh, I saw that on my high def uh, television that that ball moved and we're all going to call in until we get this guy penalized. Is social media becoming in your mind kind of the the new version of that?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's, it's funny. You mentioned the caller situation because, um, good friend of mine his dad was was the tiger masters drop caller no um really (laughs) yeah yeah i need to talk to him because i really i really want to put something out like looking back at that situation just get his reflections on uh how he feels about it does he regret it you know what what sorts of things like this that was the era prior to kind of what you just mentioned where you're getting up you can get a lot of these attacks on social media on all fronts um it, the climate wasn't the same back then And i can guarantee you let's say if tiger this year has a illegal drop and someone calls it in and that person's identified uh, that they're gonna end up going into hiding i mean right. they're gonna become <laughs> uh the, the Cubs guy, right? yeah, Steve Bartman. I was state, literally just thinking become of him. Steve Bartman. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's insane. Yeah, so I do think that that Twitter, especially the Twitter platform, is built in a way that it can lend itself to that sort of uh, hateful uh, attacks against people, and I do think it's the new caller situation
0: do you think that it gets to the point where the USGA actually has to amend the rules of golf to include social media? Are we, are we going to see golf Twitter in the rules of golf is what I guess I'm asking. I hope not. I hope <laughs> not. I mean, they've fixed, <laughs> they've fixed the caller situation, right?
1: Where it yeah. you can't, you're not allowed to do that anymore, which I think is a very positive step. Um, I think USGA, the PGA, you know, the European tour has done a great job of this. They need to fully embrace the power of social media that it has with their products and their brands. And it doesn't matter whether or not the conversation is positive or negative goes back to the old sort of phrase where all PR is good PR, as long as people are talking about whatever it is going on, that's good for them. It's good for their brand and their product. And, um, I would hope that we see very few limitations on um, how they choose to regulate the conversations and content that is being put out um, from people who are following uh, the game.
0: It's going to be like rule 22.5. If uh, golf Twitter gets more than 20,000 retweets, then the player gets two stroke penalty or something. That's what I would like to see, you know? That's just, yeah. that's just a good commentary on, on where we live now. Anyway, folks, we're, we're talking to Trey from OutsideTheCut.com. Be sure to go and visit his website. He's got a great blog going on, and, and Trey can be followed on social media, on golf Twitter. He's a very active member of it, at Outside The Cut. Trey, I really loved this conversation. It was a fun one today. Hopefully we can do this again in the near future. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks for having me. I enjoyed it.